1: The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Pure discretion is advised.
0: When Nicole Sandler
1: sits down to do her show, she's the producer, booking the guests, pulling the audio, planning the show, the engineer, running the controls, troubleshooting any problems, playing the sounds, calling the guests. She's the webmaster, writing the blog, posting the podcast,
0: maintaining the website, not to mention the host, interviewing the guests, explaining the issues, giving opinions, and calling out
1: the bad guys. And then you get The Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com.
0: And we made it to a Friday, and we still don't have a speaker, but they're getting closer. So the vote number 13 failed today, and they just adjourned until 10 o'clock tonight, at which time they will probably have the votes. It is Friday. It's the end of the first week in 2023. Some of the holdouts went into Kevin McCarthy's corner, and they're going to be back tonight at 10 o'clock when two people who had to leave for... Um, One had to go to a funeral and one's wife gave birth. So, you know, they had stuff to do. (laughs) So they'll be back tonight. And then the numbers should work out because Kevin McCarthy has basically given away the world. And what's at stake? It looks like what's on the table are promised cuts to Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security and everything, because it appears that what. Uh, McCarthy promised to get Andy Biggs vote and I hear Matt Gates is coming on board is a balanced budget amendment and and major cuts across the board. The good news is they don't control the Senate, so it ain't going to happen, but they're going to try. Get ready for ugly battles and for I hate to say it. Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Oh, my God. All right. Well, so it goes. Here we are. This morning, first thing, I um, uh, got Marcy Wheeler, connected with Marcy Wheeler across the ocean because she's in Ireland, you know. And uh, as we love to do with Marcy Wheeler, we got her thoughts on, well, everything. Everything. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year to Marcy Wheeler, who's back with us from uh, across the pond in Ireland. And I guess we're off and running. What a start to a year, huh?
1: Uh is it just January still, or are we already into February? Right.
0: It feels like Groundhog Day, right? <laughs> it is, right. You would think it's February 2nd, right? No, it's January 6th, actually. Oh, my goodness. Another day. that—and And what is so weird, I mean, the whole thing is weird, but could it be possible that Kevin McCarthy becomes Speaker of the House on January 6th?
1: With Right. And if he does, importantly, he's doing it capitulating to the Freedom Caucus. And the head of the Freedom Caucus is Scott Perry. And Scott Perry was one of the most important members of Congress. I mean, a bunch of the Freedom Caucus members would be empowered. um, And they are the ones that are are most closely implicated in January 6th. So so we may see, so we should say we're taping this yes, right we in are. the morning, right. East Coast time, and it won't show until later in the day. And so if we sound weird, if like everything breaks out over the course of the day, then we'll have to get back together and, and update. But but by the I mean it is not inconceivable that on January 6th, Scott Perry will be greatly empowered by basically holding a hostage situation uh, for Kevin McCarthy so that he be- can become speaker and, uh, and he will do anything to become speaker, including greatly empowering a guy who played a central role in January 6, two years ago.
0: Right. And Scott Perry, by the way, I mean, when I saw him this week, uh, in fact, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, he, he's the one who stood up and actually nominated Um, This Byron Donald's guy in one of the, I think, in the fourth round of voting. And then, uh, you know, he's the one who made the case like, well, they put up a black guy. We've got our own black guy. I mean, the whole thing is so surreal. Just on every level, what's going on is, um, it's embarrassing, first of all. But Scott Perry, we, you know, we heard his name a lot through the hearings and the investigations, but he, he, he kind of kept a low profile physically. I don't think that I had seen him speak before, but maybe that was just me. But hearing yeah, him speak.
1: And and, and and we should expect. I mean, look, the, the we now, I think, have a better sense of of some of the things that are holding up the January 6th investigation. For example, this morning, uh, Kyle Cheney, the Politico reporter, pointed to three different grand jury disputes that have been appealed to the D.C. Circuit. Uh, to uh, there are two of the judges on the panels are conservative Republicans, and so you're seeing you're seeing action from this summer that presumably Trump appealed, that is only now coming to the D.C. Circuit right now and may go to Supreme Court. And so, you know, all the people have been wailing about the, the pace of it. That's one of the things that's going on. Another thing that we can see in the January 6th committee transcripts is how many lawyers are key subjects of this investigation. We also saw speaking of Scott Perry, uh the chief judge in DC unsealed some grand jury materials last month. And what it showed is that uh DOJ was pursuing three known lawyers and one non-lawyer whose name we don't know. And the three known lawyers are Jeffrey Clark who remember was that DOJ attorney who was going to take over DOJ so that they could get involved in Trump's uh uh false vote claims right um um eastman john eastman everyone knows about mm-hmm. him he's the former clarence thomas clark who was was behind all of these wacky theories and a guy named ken klukowski who worked for jeffrey clark at doj for a very brief period but actually drafted a memo that was what they were going to send to georgia so those three known lawyers plus one non-lawyer and then the way that they Got through the privilege claims of those three known lawyers, Jeffrey Clark and these others, is by saying first give us Scott Perry's emails, and they used that as evidence to to seize Scott Perry's phone wow. uh, last summer. So this is, I mean, Scott Perry has been at the thick of this investigation since last summer the, at the latest, yeah, and. Uh, By the time this is played, he may be in a greatly much more powerful position, thanks to Kevin McCarthy's desperation.
0: Wow. This whole thing unfolding is just it's it's surreal. It's embarrassing. It is historic. You know, we haven't seen anything like this in well over 100 years. I think now we're with the 11th round of voting happening last night and nothing has changed. It is Groundhog Day. It's the same thing over and over again. The only difference is in the last round, Matt Gates, one of the hostage takers, nominates Donald Trump for speaker and casts the only vote for him. So at the end, when they announced, you know, the tally and they said Donald Trump got one vote, there there was audible laughter in the chamber. Um.
1: Yeah. And there should be, I mean, you know, Donald Trump, and this is, this is another interesting subtext here, right? So Donald Trump is backing McCarthy, but not that strongly. And as soon as like maybe after day one, there was some question about whether Trump still backed McCarthy and McCarthy called Trump and got him to endorse more aggressively and, but still not as aggressively as I think Republicans would take. But, um, you know, on paper, at least, Trump also looks incredibly weak, both yes. because he only got that one vote and because um he can't he can't make this happen for Kevin McCarthy. Now, again, the interesting subtext to that is if Kevin McCarthy loses, there's a decent chance he's gonna leave Congress. If he leaves Congress, there's a decent chance he's gonna waltz over to DOJ and say, Okay, I'm ready to be a witness now. I'm ready to tell you about the conversation I had with Donald Trump on January 6th. And I suspect that's one of the reasons why Trump uh-huh. is willing to back McCarthy, even though you know he'd probably be perfectly happy with with he'd be happier with Jim Jordan being being in the House. Um and and Matt Gates, right? So Matt Gates, we heard last year that the investigation into him for sex trafficking probably won't lead to charges. And and we saw in in the sentencing of Joel Greenberg in your state, um one reason why that's the case, because Greenberg framed his opponent for the tax collector uh-huh. um he framed his opponent uh for he's a t te- the opponent is a teacher he framed him for being involved with one of his students and so oh he's like you can't rely on Joel greenberg for that as a witness because he he tried to frame somebody uh improperly for that but 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 gates is one of you know not just the sex trafficking allegations Gates is one of the uh other members of Congress who was deeply, deeply involved in planning for that insurrection. And he is the one leading the hostage taking this week. And That's so, right. you know, I I don't think uh, again, Kyle Cheney, I guess it's my day to pitch Kyle Cheney. <laughs> he did a piece at Politico about um the members of Congress and what the january 6th committee transcript show about members of congress so i encourage people Ooh. to read that if they have not yet okay i will uh, find
0: it and link it on the post where w- today's show will will be archived so yeah so people can read.
1: um uh but um but but you know all of these congressional reporters are wandering around reporting as you said on the same thing happening over and over again vote 11. you know it, it Hakeem Jeffries still has the most votes, right? Yep. Eleven votes. Hakeem Jeffries wins the majority of the votes every single time. And I'm like, please, please, please talk about the criminal exposure of the people, especially Scott Perry, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, um, Lauren Boebert. Those are people who are all key players in January 6th. And that should be, I think, the focus of some of the, you know, if you're bored reporting on the 11th vote in which Hakeem Jeffries gets the most votes, then why don't you go crack some of those January 6th committee reports and look at why Scott Perry shouldn't even be in Congress, much less uh, standing to have expanded power.
0: Really? Really? Um, You know, when we first spoke earlier in the week about you coming on this week, and I said, well, there's obviously two things. We're coming up on the anniversary of January 6th on Friday, and um, uh, no one's covered it like you have in in terms of all the the trials and the investigations and everything. And I said, and then there's the the shit show that's going to be in the house. And you said, well, someone else could probably, you know, just uh, deal with the shit uh, show.
1: But, (laughs) But there's, look,
0: now we are, this one. This the, this one goes to 11. These go to 11. These go to 11. Um and I, I that's where my mind went this morning of course. And um and the people that are so that that are leading this insurrection in the house today are the same ones who were up there leading the insurrection 2 years ago today. So there is that overlap. It's the same group who probably shouldn't be anywhere near the House of Representatives, but here we are. So also when we spoke, you um you, you you sent me a message, Marcy Wheeler, and you said here here's a quote. I aspire to, but ha- when we talked about, we're going to tape this no, no. this you're morning.
1: Gonna, you're going to call me out for not But doing you my did own it. But
0: you did it. You said I
1: aspire to. No, have a- no, no, no. I, 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 my aspirations were much grander than okay. that. So All next right. week, I hope to get it done.
0: <laughs> okay, but you did. You do have a post called "How the January 6th Committee Investigation Maps Onto DOJ's Known Investigations," and so you do start the work. You do, you do bring them together.
1: Yeah. I mean, and this is going to be an evolving project. I hope to post something maybe at the, maybe by the time this plays today, Okay, um, but, but one of the, so, you know, a lot of us spent much of the holiday reading these January 6th committee transcripts and they're very fascinating. You know, there's, I think what most people did was go in and search and replace looking for, you know, just the specific issues that they're looking for. Um, and, and I, um, Uh, And I, you know, I had my specific issues as well. You know, what is the actual evidence about Alex Jones leading the mob to the Capitol? Because that's actually one of the critical issues about Trump's ties to say the proud boys who are in their final day of jury selection today.
0: Okay. Um,
1: you know, it is for for years now, TV lawyers have said that I'm crazy for saying that you tie Trump directly to the people who attack the Capitol through the proud boys. There's, there's abundant evidence. There's always been abundant evidence. That's true. But, um, there's more evidence that that's true now. And that, and, and the, the evidence about Alex Jones's role and Ali Alexander's role, uh, and frankly, the people who put together the Ellipse rally, is far more interesting and far more damning than I think people really understand, partly because people don't understand that, Literally, the Proud Boys, I mean, one of the things that the January 6th committee report makes clear is that Ethan Nordine, for example, who is one of the um, six Proud Boys, five Proud Boys who go on trial, the open our ar- opening arguments right now will be Tuesday. Okay. Um uh, he was he was in touch. He he didn't have his phone with him the day of the attack, but he was in touch with Alex Jones repeatedly, repeatedly the day before. Um he uh Tario was in touch with Alex Jones during the attack. And so what you have is Alex Jones was asked by somebody, and it's unclear how much Trump was in the loop of that, to lead his mob to the Capitol. Um, One thing that we learned is that Ali Alexander called Caroline Wren, who is she's the one who found the funding from the public's heiress called her and said, I need updates every five minutes on Trump's progress, whether Trump's coming and what he's doing. And it happened that it, it, it seems highly likely that Ali Alexander, Alex Jones, they were they were sharing that information with the people who were attacking the Capitol in real time. Right. And the people attacking the Capitol like literally held up the attack. Um they they had made a bunch of progress and then the SWAT team showed up and they held up. They waited, they pulled back from the Capitol, waited, waited for Alex Jones to arrive with the people that Trump had just riled up. And then when Alex Jones arrived, Alex lied to them. And we now know that he knew this was a lie. He lied to them, he said, Trump is coming, come with me to the east side of the Capitol. Ooh. He marches to the top of the east steps of the Capitol with his mob of you know Piper insurrectionists. And those insurrectionists opened a second front on the Capitol. Right. And so understanding Alex Jones's ties to the Proud Boys and Alex Jones's ties to people coordinating the Ellipse rally really is a key to um, not just proving that Donald Trump knew he was trying to interrupt the peaceful transfer of power, but that he was like, you know, and I, and I think DOJ can go there Um, In fact, CNN had a report this morning of one of the new attorneys brought in by Jack Smith, the special counsel, um, sat down and got background on the militia trials. And the only reason he would need to do that, the only reason he would need to sit down and say, tell me what you understand about the Proud Boys, and it's not just the Proud Boys, we're going to see that it's also the three percenters, Uh, the only reason he would need to do that is if Jack Smith will eventually be arguing not just the Trump-inspired or incited the actions of the Capitol, but that he conspired with people who were at the Capitol. Um, and I really do think, I mean, you know, I've thought this for a long time, DOJ set up their investigation to make this possible, that they could just build out these conspiracy cases. Um, and a lot depends on what happens with the Proud Boys trial, which will take six weeks, so we'll know in February what the jury thinks, that it has taken three weeks to choose the jury. Wow. Um, But we uh, but um, but but that's really what people should understand on this anniversary of January 6th. It's not just that Trump incited the riot. It's that Trump was conspiring with the rioters.
0: Yes. Now, some of the criticism leveled at the January 6th committee in the report is that they went. I can't believe I'm saying this almost too hard just on Trump thereby sort of not focusing enough on, on all the other people and entities that were involved in all this planning. Do you agree with that? And was that the right tack for them?
1: Was it the right tack for Liz Cheney? And is Liz Cheney available to be the leader of the rump of the Republican Party if it survives this insurrection from the, from the Freedom Caucus? I'm not going to second guess Liz Cheney. You know, she's not a friend of mine. She's never going to be a friend of mine. <laughs> yep. But uh, don't underestimate Dick Cheney's daughter yep. ever. Yep. Um, I think, uh, I think that the complaint that is universal and completely justified is that they went far too easy on the FBI, DOJ, Secret Service. Um, Homeland Security, you know, like the the right wing is out there saying that Homeland Security was unfairly targeting Trump supporters. The, The reality is that the entire intelligence community had warnings that this was going to be a violent attack and it wasn't prevented. Right. And it shocks me that a Cheney, well, or maybe we've seen this before that a cheney didn't want accountability for the intelligence community missing it. But, but that is something that had to be done by Congress and was not done by Congress. So I have this kind of, um, probably futile hope that now that Democrats have have a real majority in the Senate, that they can pick up some pieces of that in the Senate, maybe, um, maybe the Homeland Security committee led by Gary Pierce. But, um, but I have other complaints with the report. I mean, uh, for example, uh, the committee put the financial issues in in an appendix trump's financial issues so they they referred trump for these crimes that he's already under investigation for like obstruction Mm -hmm. or for a crime that he's not going to be charged for which is insurrection Um, and that's unfortunate but it's reality that he's just simply not going to be charged with inciting an insurrection but um but they didn't refer him for um, for some of the legal stuff he's done, even though CNN already reported last year, actually CNN and New York Times have done some reporting on this, that Trump is under investigation. You know, there there are questions about how the money got from Julie Fancelli, the public. Oh yeah, we know public's uh, down here in Florida too. I'll just, I know, it's, it's all, it's it's all two Florida. Floridian, uh, two Floridian Roger Stone. Turns out she's a bigger Roger Stone fan. Oh, than Of course than she is. is. <laughs> She's a huge uh, Alex Jones fan, oh, which is on. you know why he was so central to the attack. Um, but so one thing they're doing is investigating how people like Julie Facelli and Patrick Byrne, the former overstock chair, um, how they came to fund parts of this. But the other part is how Trump and probably Sidney Powell, like this was investigated, and I assume it's still investigated, how they raised money promising, say, voter fraud stuff, and instead in Trump's case, paying for the legal defense of all these people who are um, not remembering key details of what happened now two years ago, but it wasn't two years ago when they were interviewed. You know, so right. so like oh, we know that we know the committee um, refer Trump for obstructing their own investigation. We know that Cassidy Her- uh, Hutchinson shared those details probably last summer with DOJ, and DOJ surely is pursuing it. Um, but there's, and, and this is something that the post you mentioned laid out, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this mm-hmm. guy, Alex Cook, uh, sorry, Alex, um, Alex Cannon. Okay. He's a lawyer. He, um, he was a Trump orga- He, he was the Trump organization lawyer who like negotiated with golf courses, with golf vendors. Like that's who he was. And uh, because the because Trump organization was facing the down the COVID related downturn, they're like, we don't need you as a lawyer here. Why don't you go work on the campaign? He had no campaign finance background, but nevertheless, he was the guy. Who, who assessed these voter fraud claims and found them unpersuasive, but he was also the guy who okayed advertising, okayed online advertising. So he was the guy who said, there's nothing to these fraud claims, but also said, okay, you can raise money saying that there's voter fraud. So that's, that's Alex Cannon. Now Alex Cannon was made a minor hero by Maggie Haberman, <laughs> yeah. Um. For refusing to validate, when he was the lawyer who kind of delivered the stolen documents from Trump to the archives right. in in um, in a year ago in in January twenty twenty two was it a year January? ago right. yeah yeah uh, and he refused to certify that all the documents were there and Maggie Haberman turned him into a hero uh, but we now know. A, he was a Maggie Haberman source, big surprise, right? Right, right. Um, But he was a Maggie Haberman source for the January 6th investigation, not a big surprise. Right. But no wonder he's a hero for her. But the other thing is that he was also involved in trying to, you know, get Cassidy Hutchinson a job so that she would stay loyal to Trump in her testimony to the January 6th committee. So he's this really complex. Oh, and also he's still on the payroll. (gasps) Or he was still on the Trump payroll. So this is just one person who, you know, before the committee report, we knew that Alex Cannon was involved in the stolen documents case and necessarily a witness in that case because he, you know, he was working with the archives on it. Now we learn that his role, he's got, you know, he's got five roles in this thing. A lot of these people... Um, like the, the two Pats, the lawyers, right. Mm-hmm. We know the two Pats are witnesses in the stolen documents case, but they're also key witnesses about Trump's pressure against Mike Pence, probably other things that we, you know, they, other things that we don't know yet. And so, so, um, as you watch the january as you watch jack smith's investigation the special counsel investigation going forward understand that it's not just that alex cannon might be a might be might have done the right thing on voter fraud claims but then is going to be an implicated witness on how trump spent his pack money and and that's the case right so yeah. you've got he's a necessary witness on one side but he has he has criminal exposure on one or two three more other sides but he's also involved in the in the stolen documents case and that's going to give now that it's all unified under Jack Smith and i thought that there wasn't you know that it wasn't necessary to bring the stolen documents case under jack smith but now that it is all all unified under him he's going to have leverage over people that he might not have otherwise had and and that's going to be an interesting thing we're, right. And it's so it, it's funny because
0: uh, even things that seemingly on the surface may not be connected, they're all connected when it has to do with these characters in Congress, these lawyers that have been working for Trump, the ancillary figures like the Publix woman. I got to tell you, Publix is all, has always been like the the, you know, the shining star of supermarkets down here in South Florida. It was always the great the best store to shop at. We won't go there now. I, I mean, it, it will not. <laughs> and when you call to complain, they say, well, she's just, you know, she's not involved with the day-to-day anymore. She, but, no, she's a chief shareholder, and sorry, she's the public's heir. So
1: Yeah, I mean, like, she was part of the uh, – and she, by the way, I mean, again, mapping – and this is where I aspire to go with that post that you advertised that won't be done by the time <laughs> this goes on air. But, I mean, um, you know, like, we know a chunk of people who got – Warrants, right? Or who got subpoenas? So, uh, you know, another guy is this guy named bo Harrison who worked advance for Trump, mm-hmm. and he reported to Tony Ornato, that right. corrupt Secret Service guy who's protecting Trump, and and refused to testify about Trump lunging in the in limo when he was told he couldn't go to the Capitol. Um, so this guy, Bo Harrison, another guy who's implicated in a number of these things, he uh, allegedly, you know, I've heard that he was a witness in the stolen documents case because he continued to work for Trump. Mm-hmm. He he technically was an employee of the PAC that was created by spending, by, by by raising money, by claiming fraud when there wasn't really fraud. So he is a recipient of that money. Um, but he was testified. He was te- he was interviewed twice by the committee, and the first time he remembered nothing, like literally <laughs> nothing. Well, hmm. And and then um, the during Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, Tony Ornato called Bo Harrison. He shared an office with Bo Harrison. He called Bo Harrison and said, can you believe what Hutchinson is saying about the lunge in the in the limo story? And so in his second appearance, this guy, Bo Harrison, all of a sudden remembers stuff. He, re- he remembers affirmatively uh, Bobby Angles, who's the secret ter- the head of Trump's Secret Service detail at the time, coming into their office, the office he shared with Tony Renato, a- and saying, oh, we told Trump he couldn't go to the Capitol, and Trump just shrugged it off.
0: <gasps> oh, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he
1: didn't he didn't even raise it in his first testimony. And then he remembered in his second testimony, uh, testimony that conflicts with everyone except Tony Ornado. Right. Everyone else believes that you know that, that the the committee ended up having at least four sources that backed Cassidy Hutchinson's story. Um Tony Ornado and Bo Harrison speak during Cassidy Hutchinson's test and during her public testimony, and after that. Harrison suddenly remembers that Trump shrugged off being told he couldn't go to the Capitol. So again, this is an interesting case where we know that Bo Harrison uh, testified to the grand jury jury in early December. We have no idea whether it was the stolen documents grand jury or whether it was a January 6th grand jury or whether it was a grand jury investigating Trump's financial issues. Um, but this guy, you know, he's, he, he, he gave this testimony under oath to the committee and the committee since developed evidence that it wasn't, that it was conflicted by four other witnesses. Um, and, and, and those are the kinds of complexities that Jack Smith will be looking at. Uh, in the days and months ahead
0: right so so marcy wheeler is with us and this is the first time we've spoken since the release of the (laughs) january 6th committee report Uh, honestly i i've only seen bits and pieces of it i really tried to unplug why is this doing this this happened to me yesterday too i'm gonna have to edit this all right let me move this so if it pops up again it doesn't interrupt us i'm gonna edit this at 27 okay um yeah i don't know what that's about okay so so We knew that the testimony of Cassidy Hutchinson was a major moment in in uh, that that was a turning point for me, anyway, watching the hearings. We didn't know until the report about the proof that they had uh, about the coercion, that she had been told by the lawyers who were paid for by Trump, originally ostensibly representing her, that she could say, well, I don't remember this stuff. And and she, that made her feel uneasy. And she finally went out and got her own lawyer, and told the truth. Um, that's a big deal that we weren't aware of as it was happening. Or, or am I wrong?
1: We knew we knew some of it. We knew that she had gotten a new lawyer. We knew who Jody Hunt was. Jody Hunt uh, was close to Jeff Sessions. Worked under Jeff Sessions at DOJ. And actually, he may end up also being a witness because he when when he left under who, what circumstances, we don't know. When he left, he was replaced by Jeffrey Clark as acting uh, assistant. So anyway, um, but so we knew some of it. We know mm-hmm. more details. The guy I just told you about, Bill Harrison, is represented by the guy, or was, for his second testimony to the committee. I, I think he's since gotten a new lawyer. But um, he was represented by Stefan Pasentino, that same lawyer who Cassidy Hutchinson got rid of. But it's not just that lawyer either. Uh, we know, for example, that Matt Schlapp, <laughs> who CPAC in, guy, right? <laughs> CPAC guy, who in the Daily Beast today has a story about him making an unwanted advance on a male staffer oh. for Herschel Walker um, back in December, like scandalous stuff uh, and also really clumsy advance on a male staffer driving home from a bar in oh georgia my, oh my uh, so anyway so that match lap match lap put together an, another legal defense fund um for <laughs> matt whitaker's remember matt big big toilet salesman yeah, um, yeah
0: so the he, acting AG so for his, a minute right that's the guy yeah, his
1: firm i think in iowa is representing several of these other people who worked with Tony Ornato, who, whose memory, like one of those guys, claims that um, he was in a very important meeting with Mark Meadows, Katrina Pearson, who put together the, the Ellipse rally. Uh, Mark Meadows, Katrina Pearson, and Trump. He was in the meeting on January 4th, 2021, so just over two years ago now, where um, where Trump said he wanted to go to the Capitol, Mm -hmm. in this meeting Mm -hmm. and uh somebody in the meeting said no you can't because think of the security we would need to put together a march to the capitol this is this goes to the heart of trump's criminal liability by the way and Trump's response was, and this is something else we learned in the, in the report, his response was, I'll just get 10,000 National Guard to protect me and my supporters. So we've heard for a long time that he pitched getting 10,000 National Guard out for the rally. Now we know that the context of that was not just to protect his supporters, it was to protect him, him. as he marched to the Capitol to basically conduct a coup. And and that may make DOJ, DOD's Delay in in sending the guard out more understandable because they were they were literally worried that Trump was going to use the National Guard as part of a coup. But anyway, one of the people represented by Big Dick to- Toilet Salesman's law firm, paid for by Matchlap, recently accused of making unwanted advances on a male staffer for Herschel Walker. <laughs> um This is crazy. I can't it's, believe I this. love that but description. Anyway, um he claims to have i mean he was in that meeting he was in that january 4th 2021 meeting but he claims that he didn't hear any of this. Oh. He's like, oh, I just tuned out. It wasn't, He wasn't for to me. So I just tuned out. And it's just like, are you kidding me? You're in a meeting with the president of the United States and you're just blowing off. Daydreaming. Like, he's, he's dreaming of a
0: what white Christmas or something, right? Not, not paying attention to this. Sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, so one of the things you get when you're reading these transcripts is you begin to see these nodules of people all represented by the same attorneys. There's Stefan Passantino, who we spoke with originally was Cassidy Hutchinson's attorney there's big dick toilet salesman's firm uh there are people like alex cannon who i told you about uh and um uh i'm gonna forget molly molly michael okay who Uh, was Trump's executive assistant, both in the White House and at Mar-a-Lago. So she's another one of these people who had, she's a witness about January 6th, but she's also a witness in the stolen documents case and probably a really, really central witness in the stolen documents case, because I think she actually was handling at least one of the classified documents at issue. Um, So she and Alex Cannon were both represented by Kazowitz's firm.
0: Oh, God, okay. right,
1: remember, was Trump's, Original lawyer, before he first, went on to get a bunch of other lawyers. In the first impeachment,
0: Kazowitz um, was one of his defenders, wasn't he?
1: No, no, Kazowitz okay. was uh, one of his defenders early in the in the Russian investigation. So oh, right, he, right, they, right, he, right, 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 Yeah, so he was replaced after um the 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 june 9th meeting was discovered but he had been trump's lawyer for a long period of time Mm -hmm. and now we learned that he at least was representing these these staffers who moved from dc to florida with trump who who are key witnesses in both january 6th and the stolen documents case so this is one of the things that you see as you read these transcripts we knew that people like john Rowley. Um, I'm hoping I'm getting that name correct. You know, we knew that certain lawyers were representing the top level people. You know, people like Peter Navarro and and Steve Bannon and, and Dan Scavino. And um, but but that kind of mutual lawyering goes all the way down, and there are multiple layers of it, and um, and and many 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 of these lawyers were all paid for by this pack, and the pack was created by claim, claiming falsely um, vote, vote fraud. So that's, you know, like, it's all this network. My goodness, Jack Smith is going to have a lot to work with.
0: Right. I can I can envision like a whole wall with, you know, a whiteboard with a lot of points, like pin, you know, push pins and strings going from one pin to another, to another, to another, because they're all connected.
1: I know, but that never really exists. People <laughs> always say that, but people use spreadsheets these days. I mean, all you need is a, is a spreadsheet right. that you can sort on and then you can... Like I haven't done a spreadsheet yet of all of these transcripts, but I but I will because I think that to see like the metadata on it is just as interesting as anything else. Like who what when they were interviewed, who their lawyers were, um, what subjects they were interviewed about. I mean, sometimes the committee um here's like a really interesting example. And I'm sorry I'm like loading this oh, onto you, but I No, please. This is great. Yeah. So remember remember Dustin Stockton? No. He was part of the bus tour. Oh okay with the Kramers on the bus tour. Okay. And then um in twenty in early twenty twenty two, he was a source for Rolling Stone, basically trying to blame everyone else for the for the riot. Okay. Okay. He was like, Oh, we hated the violence, we had nothing to do with the violence. And um and so, for example, Caroline Wren, the woman who raised the money from Publix for, for the for the from the Publix air, mm-hmm. um, she actually shared with the committee these tweets to prove that Dustin Stockton was actually a lot more supportive of the violence than he was letting on in testimony. Well, interesting thing is there's this guy who is also on the bus tour who claims that the Kramers were using burner phones. And the committee interviewed him and they said, you know, we went to CVS and they have no record of this. They don't think, they actually don't believe the burner phone story. But it's interesting because Dustin Stockton was spreading the burner phone story even though he wasn't the primary witness he was trying to burn the Kramers he was trying to blame the Kramers for all this but we also learned and this is this is how these transcripts comes out there's this guy named Arms and he's the head of the Florida it's Florida against Nicole I hear he's it of, yep yep bring it on the head, he's the head of the Florida Cryptocurrency Association <laughs> of course he is um, <laughs> And so he, this is crazy. So he actually um, is the author of what's called the, what what I refer to as the Winter Palace document. It's a document that Enrique Tarrio, the Proud Boy head, had, mm-hmm. had um, that basically laid out how he would attack the Capitol. And so this guy, who's the head of the Florida Cryptocurrency Exchange, uh, admitted to the committee that he wrote an early draft of it. He's like, he's, he's got ties to the special forces. He's got ties to CIA. You know, he, as he described, it was groomed to be a spook. And he was sort of wargaming out. How would you, like, he, he was meaning to prevent it. He was like, how would you attack the Capitol? Here's how I would do it. And somehow, and he knew Tario's girlfriend, also in Florida, also the yes, of course. And and she shared it with Tadio, and Tadio used it partly as a model for what they did on the attack. But here's the interesting thing: um, w- during. That guy's interview, the head of the Florida Cryptocurrency Exchange. Oh, the head of the Florida Cryptocurrency Exchange also knows this guy, James Beeks, who's one of the two black guys accused with the with the, um, Oath Keepers. He was, I feel like this is so crazy. He played Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar, the traveling the oh travel production. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he kind of piggybacked on like he was an Oath Keeper and joined the Oath Keepers in the attack on the Capitol. Um, And he's also a member of the Florida Cryptocurrency Exchange, so knows this guy. And so he was also asked about Beats, this guy. I mean, he's also a sovereign citizen. So sovereign citizen Judas, Jesus Christ Superstar, (laughs) Oathkeeper, um, uh, Florida Cryptocurrency Exchange. This is all true. I'm not insane. I promise you. But, but what's interesting is when they interviewed this head of the Florida cryptocurrency exchange. They said, "Do you know this guy, Liggett, J- uh, Jeremy Liggett?" And he's like, uh, "And, and I think he said no." But it sounds like Jeremy Liggett. His he's also. On this Google Doc that the Winter Palace document was shared as a Google Doc, which is just insane. But anyway, <laughs> he the, the the committee knows that he has some tie to that document as well. He's not a member of the progress. He's a member of the three percenters. OK, Florida. Florida, yes, yeah. of course yes. <laughs> and five of his associates have been arrested uh they were arrested back in august um there was an fbi agent who didn't want to arrest them with swat because he thought they were nice people but anyway so three percenters jeremy liggett he hasn't been at least as far as we can see he has not been arrested yet he has ties to this winter palace document but here's the interesting thing he recruited dustin stockton to his three-percenter organization. So Dustin Stockton is claiming, oh, I not only had no role in the attack on the Capitol, but I was opposed to it, and the Kramers were using burner phones. None of that is true. But he also joined the three-percenters and a part of the three-percenters that was part of the alliance between the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. Crazy stuff. Yeah, you I'm know. I'm saying this is all. This is all in court documents and, and, and the uh, January 6th committee documents.
0: And how you keep it straight? I have no idea. That's my first thoughts. Like how? Okay, it's all over the place. That's but it's not straight. That's now, crazy stuff. It's crazy, but it's all connected. Okay, yes. and and they just standing back for a second. They say that we are making use of the deep state. I mean, isn't this projection? Isn't that exactly what this all is?
1: Yeah, I mean yeah and, and yeah uh, don't even get me started with the twitter files and <laughs> oh that my god pieces. but i mean look yeah this is um the, it's some crazy stuff and i think that uh you know everyone has this feeling that that, that doj has only they, they say this all the time they've only they've only prosecuted the, the foot soldiers i i can tell you that those those proud boys whose trial starts on tuesday they're not foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are they are two degrees of separation from Trump mm-hmm. by many channels. Um, one of my favorite things from Tony Arnado, the, the Secret Service guy, you know, he was asked, Well, did you know, did you see all of this intelligence coming in about about the Proud Boys? Did you see that there was a concern that Enrique Tarrio came to visit the White House? on December 12th, 2020, 2020. and he's like, oh, i had never heard of the Proud Boys. I can tell you about Code Pink, but I can't tell you about the Proud I mean, he, he, like, he testified. Oh, it was like, like it's, it's insanely crazy. This is all crazy, but it's all true. Oh, my so God. I think that going forward, there is definitely a sense that DOJ has been working on some very complex things, and complex ties that, again, like Dustin Stockton joining the 3%ers, that had some tie to the Winter Palace document with Enrique Tadio and the cryptocurrency exchange and Jesus Christ superstar. That's what we're talking about. It's all, it all, you know. Yeah, it, it would be,
0: you know, it's too absurd, too inconceivable for a, a Hollywood studio to buy that script because come on. But, you well, know, too many moving parts. I mean, right. like, yeah,
1: right. Like Judas from Jesus Christ Superstar <laughs> is going walk in with the Oath Keepers and he's a member of the cryptocurrency exchange and a sovereign citizen. Right. 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 No, that's actually true. Uh, right. I know.
0: Oh, and then Donald Trump. Became president. So, you know. That's on- true, <laughs> too. <laughs> right. You know, only to be uh, Rip Van Winkle awakening after 20 years to this and say, <laughs> wait, which was the dream and what's the nightmare and when do I wake up? So, Marcy Wheeler, the the, the uh, January 6th report is finally released after a delay of a couple of days, which was weird. Um, and one of the first things I heard about it before I even ever cracked it open was. Ginny Thomas isn't even mentioned. But on the very last day when they released a trove of the depositions from the interviews, there she is. Did we learn anything about Ginny Thomas's involvement in all this?
1: You know, I have to be honest. I have not prioritized her transcript because a lot of other people did. Uh-huh. I think that um, yeah, we are going and, and I and I also want to say that it's not entirely clear. We know why. Uh, the committee released certain transcripts. Like they released virtually all the transcripts where people pled the fifth, um, which are people who went to the committee and said, I have criminal liability. And some of like those transcripts, you know, it's people pleading the fifth, but some of them are quite quite informative because you see what communications the committee was asking them about. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, Garrett Ziegler, who is this Peter Navarro aide, who is the guy who let patrick byrne and Sidney powell into the white house on december 18th 2020 that guy garrett ziegler fled the fifth hmm. and what's interesting is garrett ziegler has ties to ali alexander okay so when ali alexander was trying to explain what his ties to the white house was he's like oh it's all caroline wren and then at one point he sort of admits he's like oh yeah also garrett ziegler i'm like garrett ziegler so um so they released those. They released a lot of the Cassidy Hutchinson ones, which, as you say, talk about the obstruction. They're very damning. Um, there are other ones, like the Bo Harrison one I told you, the two that I told you about, that they, didn't re- they, they only released them uh, with GAO. They did not release them very prominently. And I think uh, there are probably several reasons they didn't release certain transcripts. And some of those have to do with investigative equities elsewhere. Right, because when
0: there's an ongoing investigation, they they're they're, they're right. right there. It's still part of the investigation.
1: Right, right, and and uh, and I think I mean it, it. actually is the case, and and we don't have an explanation for why this is the case. But we know that DOJ shared at least some transcripts with. Sorry, we know that the committee shared at least some transcripts with DOJ earlier in December because uh, DOJ gave 16 transcripts to the Proud Boys on December 8th. So a good two weeks before they were released to the rest of us. But um, there's a lot of moving parts and I know people are really frustrated and I'm frustrated and the people who were there the day of the attack are all really frustrated. But I think one thing that we've learned over December for a variety of reasons is that this is incredibly complex. (laughs) All of these investigations are incredibly complex and they're all interrelated and it will, you know, it, it, DOJ did not have the better part of those transcripts, and I'm sure they're looking at them as I am and saying, here's a detail, I mean, it may not be a detail they didn't know, right, like about the Dustin Stockton thing that I okay. told you about right. 3% and the Winter Palace and Jesus Christ Superstar. and You know, DOJ knew all of that, but how somebody testified to, de- to the committee may give them leverage to get cooperation going forward, and I think that you're going to see slowly this uh, snowball begin to form and get bigger and bigger. That's my suspicion.
0: And and, and uh, there are news reports, and I don't know how accurate they are, and I don't know what they know that we don't, but saying that Jack Smith is going to start rolling out some indictments or something in the next few weeks. Do you, you think that's just to placate the critics or, or is something really brewing
1: soon? I think, look, I, I, you know, I think that, there's good reason to believe there are cooperators that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. Um, and I say that because there are gaps in what we understand precisely where there are known cooperators. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, when you have known cooperators, how you roll out those known cooperators, uh, makes a big difference on how, quickly, you get other known cooperators. And so mm-hmm. I think that that is, I think that the, those are the kinds of decisions that Jack Smith and frankly, all these prosecutors that he's been working with for a long time. I mean, they've been working on it. It's not like it's a huge transition. The only difference, I mean, there are two differences that Jack Smith brings. One is that somebody else is going to make the decision. And then Matt, it's, not that, it's not that Merrick Garland's role will change very much. It's that Matthew Graves, the U.S. Attorney for D.C., his role will change. He hmm. won't be in the loop. They're basically creating a new subset of prosecutors in a separate place who will all be working on this together. Um, and then the other thing that Smith brings, and he has brought in a couple of a couple of prosecutors to the to the table. He brings a little more public integrity background, so a, a little more about bribery and how you use public facilities, how you use the government for private advantage. Um, And so he brings in more expertise in those areas, but that's really the only change. Otherwise, you know, otherwise it's the same prosecutors um you know you may have certain advantages because you've got the same guy doing the stolen documents case as you do the january 6th case as i said my goodness there's a lot of connections those witnesses are often the same and they may have been tremendously cooperative on one and not as cooperative on the other and therefore it may be easier to leverage their cooperation you know you see how that works oh yes Um, doj has a lot of tools um and and the end of the january 6th committee um, and there was a delay, and that, frankly, was the committee's fault, not DOJ's fault. Uh, they could have had these tools back in the summer, mm-hmm. um, but now they have a bunch of tools, and I expect we'll we'll see we'll we'll see a snowball start to roll.
0: Okay. Well, it, there, yes, there's still so many moving parts, and look, this is just one faction. We didn't even talk about what's happening happening in New York with Tish James's investigations, or in Georgia with Bonnie Willis. I mean, these are other cases all involving Trump, all serious, that are all coming together now, finally, uh, two years after his uh, time in office ended. So um, this could be a pretty consequential next 12 months, I would expect.
1: Yeah, and uh, who knows what kind of disaster Scott Perry can make of Congress between now and then? Oh, my God. So, okay, so we're we're
0: wrapping up. Um, We are taping this. Friday morning, we started at nine Eastern, we're coming up on 10. The, The House reconvenes at noon, ostensibly to go to a 12th round of voting on Kevin McCarthy as speaker. Any predictions you want to pull out a crystal ball and then we can fact check against what actually happens?
1: I don't. I mean, I think that I don't, you know, I don't think, I don't think, look, I don't think Kevin McCarthy has the votes. Mm -hmm. I don't think he has the ability to do a whip count. I don't think he understands. I mean, you know, you look at this fiasco and you really learn to appreciate Nancy Pelosi even more than you already do. I mean, I don't agree with all of her policy positions, but damn, she was the best speaker of the house in at least 50, probably a hundred years. Right. It had to be because she was a woman. But um but the Republicans have not been able to count votes since t- Tom DeLay and he did it through corruption. They just simply have not been able to count votes. And my I think the big burning question for me is Kevin McCarthy will get closer to 218 through the concessions he made to Scott Perry and other hostage takers mm-hmm. but I don't think he's at 218. and my big question is with the concessions he's made can Steve Scalise get to 218 and that is the urgent question because he would of course be far worse than Kevin McCarthy he you know he described that he's David Duke without the baggage right uh, but he would have made all of the concessions that Kevin McCarthy made to people like Scott Perry who have no business being in Congress. And that is, I think, the real risk that we face. If we can get through a couple of Steve Scalise votes without him becoming speaker, then things get more interesting because then you're going to get into real negotiations about what you do with this impasse. Right. You know, I heard uh, I think it was Nicole
0: Wallace make a really astute uh, observation. She said usually more often than not during her time in government, things happened due to not expertise but incompetence and they're talking about a number of the members had to leave somebody had a death in the family somebody had a new baby so the the the, the vote for speaker um it and, and any uh thing that comes up for a vote in the house they need a majority of the members present and voting so if everybody was there and everybody voted it's 218 well now they're down a few members so as of last night it was 217 but that'll go even lower well here's the thing The Democrats, for once in our lives, are showing true unity. And on every single vote, Hakeem Jeffries has gotten 212 votes, 212 Democrats in the caucus. Well, it's possible because, as you said, Marcy, the Republicans don't know how to count votes. Between some people maybe voting present, which means their vote just doesn't count, and some people not showing up, that through their lack of the ability to accurately count – Hakeem Jeffries could sneak through and win one of these votes Um, because they don't they won't need 218. Maybe the the threshold will be lower to 212 because of some members voting present and some not being there. That Hakeem Jeffries.
1: What happens if DOJ arrests? george santos and Scott perry tomorrow yeah there's two more it's gonna happen but what what would happen if they were both arrested tomorrow you lose one of the insurgents and one of the mccarthy i mean you know george santos's vote should not be the one that puts kevin mccarthy (laughs) in the second line of the presidency in any case because we don't even know if he's really a citizen we don't know whether he's committed immigration fraud we don't know anything anything about that But you know, we there's like I'm not going to make any predictions. Mm -hmm. I am going to say my biggest concern is what happens on those first couple rounds of Steve Scalise votes because the worst outcome, in my opinion, is Steve Scalise in as as speaker having made having adopted the concessions that Kevin McCarthy already made because that would that would that would be terrorism running government of multiple kinds. Yeah, and uh, that would be the hostages winning. The uh, the, that would the, be the hostages winning with a guy who, by his own description, is like David Duke without uh, the baggage, right? With, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with David Duke without the gavel, uh, having adopted the hostage-taking concessions from the from the hostage takers, that would be a, a really terrible outcome for the United States. If we can get through that, then I think things might get interesting. But I, but I, you know. Uh, and and it's like the reporters covering this don't understand how important whip counts are. Yes. Like, you know, if you're reporting that Kevin McCarthy doesn't know whether he has the votes, then he doesn't have the votes. Right. But you as a reporter should maybe have a sense of whether he has the votes because you are talking to the 20 insurgents and you know that none of them are going to move. And if he doesn't have the votes, does Steve Scalise have the votes? Can somebody please tell me whether Steve Scalise has the votes? Now I'm going to curse this and by the time this gets played. Steve- <laughs> well, Steve- but and and that's possible again because
0: it's now almost 10 o'clock in the morning. So we're doing it a few hours early. I'm, I'm more stuck on they fuck up their vote count and just because they're incompetent and Hakeem Jeffries wins the vote. H- th- obviously okay. this has never happened before, but what would happen if all of a sudden Hakeem Jeffries gets enough and becomes the speaker with a Republican majority in the House.
1: Yeah, uh, it wouldn't be very sustainable, right? I mean, I think the only thing that would be sustainable, like I don't, you know, Kevin McCarthy is not gonna be sustainable Mm because one of the concessions he's made is that any member in the majority at least, can call for a vote of no confidence That's at right. any moment. So yes. Kevin McCarthy would not be sustainable. The Steve Scalise situation would probably be slightly more sustainable because he's slightly more of a nut job. Uh, what would be sustainable is if 20 Republicans joined with all of the Democrats to back like, uh, uh, an Upton. Yes, <laughs>
0: a former representative from your home state. Um, yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but but we, that that won't happen until, as you describe, until we get through, until at least we get through the Steve Scalise votes. We, we don't know what's going to happen until we get through the Steve Scalise votes. And, and that is the only thing I know about this. And my,
0: my prediction is just that nothing will be settled today and this is going to roll over to Monday. We're going to have another day of a lot of these votes where Kevin McCarthy is further humiliated. That's my prediction if I had to make one.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Which is why I think that we don't know what's going to happen until we see what happens with the Steve Scalise votes. Exactly. Just make sure you've got a lot of popcorn
0: on hand. That's all. Marcy Wheeler, you're, you're the best. I, I can't thank you enough for this. Uh, uh, you should be reading emptywheel.net on a regular basis. Still following Marcy on Twitter. You're still tweeting. Are you also mastodoning? What are you doing?
1: I am both. I'm try- uh, There's a lot of things uh, right now that I'm doing on Twitter because it's important to, to be in that space mm-hmm. for things like the January Sixth Committee report and things like uh, Steve Scalise. But um, my aspiration is to move to Mastodon or whatever non-Elmo site is out there. And you're also on Mastodon. I'm yep. Mastodon. I'm Emptywheel at uh, Social Mastodon. Debt social.
0: Okay, and I'm at I'm at Nicole Sandler at. M-S-T-D-N dot social, Mastodon without the vowels. Um, they're just different, but it's all it's all one big Mastodon world over there. Uh, Marcy Willer, I'll let you go because, you know, you've got a day to cover. You've got the final day of uh, jury selection in the Proud Boys trial and, of course, Uh, the house gavels in again at noon eastern which should be another shit show um thank you as always let's talk again hopefully very soon because this is a fast moving story and and you're you're on top of it and i thank you
1: good luck everyone may we get through the next
0: week please (laughs) great thank you so much absolutely that was epic <laughs> yeah it was great it was awesome I'll just edit the weird glitchy part and we're good to go thank you okay cool all right take care talk to you later Stay well bye, bye.